paid 260 euros for a pair of Crocs, man. Those shoes pretty much broke my foot. It's only going downhill from here. What up, guys? This is Josh. And this is Fobbs. And this is the Kickback Pod. And we are back. Yet another episode of the Kickback Pod. I'm here, JD Kicks, Josh Dominic. Your boy, JD, I'm here with my man, Fobbs, as usual. And of course, the topic in this episode, we're going to be talking about something a little different. We're going to be talking about the sneaker of the moment. So let's break it down. We're going to talk about it in three separate uh, ways. We're first going to talk about uh, what actually qualifies a sneaker to be considered the sneaker of the moment. Uh, We'll then get into which sneaker do we think right now would qualify as the current sneaker of the moment. A lot of you guys will probably say that is the Nike Dunk. Uh, Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get into that more. And we'll also talk about which sneaker is likely to be the next sneaker of the moment, the, the next sneaker to claim this title. We'll also talk a little bit about history of which sneakers have held that title in the past. And yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a pretty fun episode. I also wanted to give a quick shout out to everyone that has been listening to the podcast, everyone that's been tagging us, uh, showing us timestamps of different segments of the pod that they've been listening to and they thought was interesting. Uh, shout out to all you guys. Shout out to all the listeners. And uh, thank you if you have been sharing it with your friends. Appreciate that as well. Uh, well, let's let's get started. First of all, both of us once again not in the same location we're not in berlin we're in two completely different cities fobs where are you at right now i am at the baltic sea in the north of germany it's a very small town called hafkuk um literally looking out at the ocean right now uh from the uh living room of my uh, apartment and yeah i'm just here with my family my mom my uncle my brother and we're just you know enjoying the lovely weather by the seaside and by lovely weather i mean 14 degrees celsius gray intermittent raining <laughs> so it's not really that great but um it's still nice not to be working and, and just chilling and you of course are in uh, toronto as per usual right yeah i'm still i'm still in toronto so i was actually supposed to return this past weekend but uh my girlfriend wanted to extend the trip by another week uh, checked in with our flight providers. They said it was free to change our flights. We also, one major thing that influenced the decision to stay another week was we compared the weather in Berlin to Toronto right now. And it looks depressing, absolutely depressing in Berlin right now. So I'm like, yeah, sure, let's stay another week. At least enjoy the sun. But I will be returning back to Berlin next week. I'm actually very excited to get back. I want to get back into it, start making videos again. I've pretty much dropped one video on my channel over the last month. Uh, You know, people asking me, have I disappeared off of YouTube? I have not. I've just been on holiday chilling. So I will be back. YouTube, I got so many sneakers that I have yet to review that are just chilling, waiting for me in the crib. So yeah, definitely expect the content to be dropping like crazy starting next week. Yeah, but let's get into, you know, what we have been uh, picking up lately. Have you had any uh, new pickups when it comes to sneakers over the last two weeks? Yeah, so honestly, in the last couple of weeks, it's only been one that we actually talked about in the podcast last time, which is the Levi's 990 V3, right? I think the day we recorded the podcast was the day before they dropped and then I hit up the store in Berlin uh, and got two pairs, one for you, one for me. So 
Um, I got the gray pair. I chose the gray pair in the end because I just had to go classic. And you know me, I, I love gray shoes. I'm wearing a gray sweater right now. Um, call me Mr. Gray. Uh, but yeah, that's the only big pickup of the last couple of weeks. And um, I've had them on feet at home and they are so comfortable. Um, and I love the hairy suede and everything. I think they're just like perfectly on point. Super happy that these are the first 990 V3s that I've picked up this year or you know since they've been reissued um but yeah that's it on my end what about you man what have you been uh, picking up over there in canada i know so what's first, arrived at my apartment uh, yeah so, <laughs> so for, first of all thank you for picking up the 990 v3 the levi's for me uh i requested the blue colorway you picked up the gray of course i have yet to see them in hand you have actually seen them in hand and is, is the quality as good as people have been saying online so far yeah, I mean, the you know, New Balance quality is always great. Levi's is always great with the denim, right? And then when you add those together in a collaboration, which is generally higher quality than generally shoes anyway, um, you've got a really, really high quality shoe. Um, like I said, the Harry Suede is like really, really nappy. It's, it's well-structured. The denim base uh, of the upper really, really great. And then of course you got the, you know, the, the classic 990 V3 sole, which is super, super comfy. Um, yeah. I like, there's not much more I can say. It's just a great shoe all around. I can't wait to see those in hand. I'm also very shocked by how little hype they seem to have. They're going for pretty much retail uh, on the, on StockX right now, especially that blue pair. And I'm very confused because these are very beautiful pairs of sneakers and amazing quality. So very surprised to see the lack of hype there. And that actually takes me into my second pickup. I did pick up another pair of 990 V3s, actually. I picked up the uh, Joe Fresh Goods 990 V3s. And this was a pair that, damn, well, when, you, when you actually see this pair, it's a beautiful, beautiful pair of sneakers. I love the colors on it. I didn't think they would go together, but after seeing them in person, I think they actually go amazing together. And I just love the whole uh, concept of the shoe. The, the sneaker is being called the outside clothes, or I, I think just the outsides. And uh, I, I love it because the colors were inspired by outdoor activities. And it comes at a time when we have pretty much spent most of the last year indoors. So now we get a sneaker which it reminds us of those good old times when we used to actually, you know, go outside and play around and then just enjoy our summers, which hasn't really been the case this year. So it, it comes at a good time. I love the concept. I love the colorway. And I think it's definitely a sneaker that's in the conversation for one of the best sneakers of the year. What do you think? Oh, for sure. I mean, anyone, you know, who's been listening to the podcast or, you know, follows me on Instagram will know that that's actually the one that I wanted, the Joe Fresh Goods. But, um, it was easier to cop the Levi's and, and in the end, I also went from Levi's just cause I think it's a little bit more wearable and I'll probably get more wear out of it. Um, that's not to say that I won't come back and try and cop the Joe fresh goods at some point uh, by, you know, either trading some pairs or, or selling a couple older pairs that I don't really wear anymore. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, I, I didn't think that the colorway would work or that if, if somebody had told me green, blue and Brown, I would have been like, nah, that doesn't really go together. But the way that, uh, you know, Joe and, and the design team and everyone has, has been able to put that together. Uh, great, great shoot. Probably not the best of the year, but definitely, definitely in the top 10. Yeah, and, and it's in the top 10. 
The good news is, though, Fabian, if you are looking to get a pair, the resale prices for this pair as well, quite low. They're, they're going for close to retail, slightly above retail in most sizes. So, yeah, if you're thinking of copying, pretty good time right now to get, get yourself a pair. They're very good salesman. I, I'll have to take a look at StockX <laughs> later. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we've been really spoiled for 990 V3s this year. Uh, there's there, there's been these two, and I don't know if you saw a preview of a potential jound pair coming up, uh, yeah. which which looks like some shade of black. Uh, not too many pictures there of that shoe, but yeah, it looks like the year of the 990 V3, and we mentioned it on the pod before, our favorite 990 model, the V3s. Uh, but let's get into the main topic of today's episode. So uh, we mentioned it. We're going to be talking about the sneaker of the moment. That is a title, the sneaker of the moment. So what basically qualifies a sneaker to be considered the sneaker of the moment? And then we'll get into which sneaker right now claims that title and which sneaker will most likely claim that title over the next year or two. Uh, so maybe you want to kick it off, Fabian. Uh, let us know, basically, in order to meet that requirement of being a sneaker of the moment, what's the minimum criteria for a shoe? So, I mean, it's got to be, for me, it's got to be a sneaker that is kind of in the, the minds of all sneakerheads and is a shoe that's constantly at the forefront of releases, um, whether that's through collaborations, special projects, special colorways. And it's it's a shoe that dominates headlines, you know? So whether it's, you know, high somebody, high beast, GQ, sneakers and stuff complex, whoever's writing the, you know, weekly sneaker releases post, that shoe is always at the top. You know, that shoe is always at the top of everybody's top five of the year, top five of the half year, you know? And I think, you know, that's a very, I would say easy and, and simple, definition of the sneaker of the moment but also it it just makes sense right it's a sneaker that everybody wants and i would go so far as to say that it's a sneaker that even non-sneaker heads are into you know like i'm sure you have you know non-sneaker head friends family and they'll be like oh man like you you know like the the, the shoe with those colors and, and you'll be like oh you mean like the dunk and they're like oh yeah 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 something like that right like for me when a sneaker goes beyond um beyond the niche sneakerhead community and goes into the mainstream that for me is a sneaker of the moment so it doesn't even have to be the most hyped right it can be the it can be the roshi uh from from a few years ago it can be the you know 350 it can be something super exclusive like 350 it can be something super generally like the roshi but it just needs to be on headlines it needs to be being written about by all the outlets and to be being posted on Instagram. Like you need to scroll through your feed and, and not be able to not see that shoe for the mm -hmm. sneaker at the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I totally agree with uh, your point about how it's, it can't be a shoe that only sneakerheads are wearing. It's got to be a shoe that people who don't generally, people who aren't normally into sneakers, they want that pair. So, um, so for me, I have, three main criterias that I think uh, a shoe needs to meet. So first of all is what you already mentioned, which is the mass adoption. So everyone wants it. It I don't just mean sneakerheads. People see their friends wearing it, whether it be in school, and they want to grab themselves a pair. 
And also, I feel like there needs to be adoption, not not just among certain groups and certain demographics, uh, adoption amongst all age groups, or at least most age groups. I definitely think the 350 is one of those uh, that that had met that criteria of, of mass adoption. And uh, the other the other two criteria, both of them actually go hand in hand with mass adoption. So the first is for me, availability. So I, I know you said, I know you just mentioned that even exclusive or very exclusive sneakers can be uh, a sneaker of the moment. But I, I feel like for, for me, I don't think necessarily that's the case because if you want everyone to be wearing it and for it to especially be worn by even people who aren't really into sneakers, though these people aren't going to, you know, necessarily pay resale for a pair of shoes they're people who are not really into shoes they have like maybe one or two pairs and they're much more likely to go for a pair that's much more easily available so uh, for that reason i don't think very limited sneakers can actually achieve sneaker of the moment status i think everyone should be able to purchase it and if they're sold out resale value is not too too high which is going back to the 350s. That's another reason why I thought the 350 met that criteria because now the resale values are just so low, especially for the newer colorways. Uh, and and then the final um, uh, the final criteria for me is I, I don't know if a lot of people talk about this one, but for me it's wearability. So can the average person actually wear this sneaker and would be right. comfortable wearing the sneaker with just their style their fashion so a pair for example like the yeezy foam runners now this is a pair that i love and i wear all the time but i think this pair even if they mass produce it even even if they kanye has been talking about making the foam runners from 80 dollars to 20 dollars, even if that were to happen i just don't see how this sneaker can become a sneaker of the moment because it's just such a polarizing sneaker i don't think everyone is going to want to wear it and uh, yeah, I, I don't see it ever gaining that mass adoption for it to be even considered a sneaker of the moment. It's 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 a pretty it's a sneaker that we're talking about for sure. But I think a sneaker needs to be at the very minimum easily worn by anyone by all age groups, uh, and it should be able to fit into their personal style. So uh, and this is already the third time I mentioned this sneaker, but the three fifties for me was a really weird one because. That was a sneaker that, yes, it did receive mass adoption, even amongst like older age groups. Yes, it started to become way more available. However, like if you had just seen that sneaker when it first came out, you wouldn't necessarily say that it's a wearable sneaker. Uh, it was a pretty out there style at the time. However, that was a sneaker that kind of people's taste evolved in a way for them to start thinking of that shoe as a wearable shoe. But so, I mean, Kanye really had the foresight there to even, you know, think that this shoe might one day everyone would want to wear something that looks like this. But, but I think but so. So it, it, it became a wearable shoe. Right. So like yeah. you're saying that I, and I, I do agree that wearability is really important. That's something that I uh, didn't mention. Uh, so I'm really glad that you did. But I think that let's take the 350, for example. Right. So that has become a wearable shoe. And, and for me, being sneaker of the moment is, is more of a process than like saying that you know i would say that the 350 was almost already the sneaker of the moment when it was still limited and then it's just the life cycle of the sneaker like for, in my opinion the life cycle of the sneaker of the moment goes from being super limited in all the headlines everybody wants it but can't have it to 
everybody still wants it and can have it now. Um, mm. And in terms of the wearability, I think that, you know, the sneaker didn't really change, but people, I don't, I don't know if people evolved their style of dressing or it just became more acceptable to just wear a knitted upper shoe with jeans. You know what I mean? Um, so maybe like the perception of it changed or the perception of what is okay to style it with changed rather than like, cause I don't like most of the people I see wearing 350 V2s nowadays, like they're not wearing some crazy outfit, right? They're mostly wearing just normal straight leg skinny jeans. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's a really good point. What you, what you just said about, uh, it needs to be desired by everyone, even when it's not so available. And then once it does become available, it's still desired by everyone. Um, yeah. So, so a lot of sneakers over the last decade, I think have fit these criteria. We can get into some of them, but we already mentioned 350s. You mentioned the Roshis earlier, which I, I definitely think, yeah, the Roshi had its run for sure. Um, at, right after that, uh, uh, this was, I guess, kind of like an evolution of the Roshi from more so from Adidas' side, which was the Ultra Boost. We had like a few years of, I, I felt like there was mass demand behind the Ultra Boost. Everyone, everyone wanted mm -hmm. a pair of those and they eventually did become much more widely available. We then moved on to, Adidas was hot for pretty much the end of the entire decade. We moved on to NMDs. NMDs also, I think, claimed that title for quite a long time. Um, yeah. And, and then, uh, were there any others that, over the last couple of decades that I missed? I think, so let me just go back to the ultra boost. I think the ultra boost is a great example because that again was super limited at the beginning. Kanye pushed it, hype went through the roof, but now it's like an everyday sneaker and people still wear it. And I think I, I talked a little bit about the life cycle, right? There's different lengths of life cycle, right? The ultra boost had maybe like a year where it was super popular 20 end of 2014 to like end of 2015. But then you've got uh, a sneaker like maybe the Nike React Element 87. I, I believe that was also a sneaker of the moment, but for much shorter, for maybe three, four, five months, where it was super, super limited in the beginning. Everybody wanted it. And then they just flooded the market with, with colorways and with different collaborations. And then it was over, right? But it had that same kind of like celebrity endorsement slash super hype phase, then mass adoption slash wearability phase. And then it died out, just died out quicker. Um, and those I would compare with maybe just to, to explain like what makes it a sneaker of the moment, a sneaker of the moment. I think it really does need to have that full life cycle. Um, for example, Adidas 4D, right? The 4D, the original 4D, when, when they were really pushing that, the 4D runner, um, that never had like a mass adoption because it was always limited. So I wouldn't consider that a sneaker of the moment. I would say it was a very hyped sneaker for two, three, four months but it never had that mass adoption phase. And now it's having a bit of a mass adoption phase, but it came like two, three years too late. So I think Adidas missed the boat there. And, and that's where I think timing is super important. Um, but to get back to your earlier question, I think a couple of other examples would be like ASICs and New Balance collaborations. ASICs, uh, especially in like 2010, 2011 to 2015, when Ronnie Feig just opened Kith, was doing all of those collaborations with ASICs. Then you had, you know, um, the ASICs Gelite 3 um, anniversary tour where like all, like almost every single sneaker boutique and retailer was collaborating on them in the US. Um, and then I think another really good example is basketball shoes, LeBron's and Kobe's. They had a golden era where kids in America 
loved LeBron's. They loved Kobe's. They would be, those were like the dunks, right? You got them and you could resell them for three, four, five times uh, their value. Like the South Beach LeBron eights and nines, the tens. But then it kind of died down because then they would started to mass produce them a lot more. The cool colorways were also mass produced. And I think they were still kind of the sneaker of the moment, at least in America, but because they became too available, it died down, taste changed. People weren't wearing bulky athletic shoes anymore. They went more towards runners, more towards Yeezy. You know, that was also the, the rise of Yeezy Adidas. Um, so yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of different golden eras and there's a lot of different sneakers of the moments. But for me, for a sneaker to be the sneaker of the moment, it really needs to have that full life cycle. And that life cycle could be six months. It could be two years. Um, as we've seen with, you know, the current sneaker of the moment, which, you know, I'll, I'll let you get yeah. into. Um, yeah, but I yeah. think that's so, had a very lo- long life cycle, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, just going back to an earlier point. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. Uh, it needs to go through that entire life cycle. Do you, do you really think the react element went through that entire life cycle though? Cause I, I don't feel like it ever achieved mass adoption i i I feel like it it was super hot for a second some people bought pairs but uh, but i feel like people only really bought the uh the collab pairs once they started making regular colorways they like just right from the beginning they weren't really selling out you know so so so, i think maybe in a microcosm like i remember and, and, and maybe this like contradicts my earlier point where it has to go beyond the niche. But yeah, I think in the niche, it was a bit of a, of a yeah, maybe it was more of a flash in the pan, actually. Yeah, you're right. That, that one, yeah, that one, I think, is more of a flash in the pan. But everything else you mentioned, I do agree. Yeah, they did go through full life cycles and they finally, at least for a few uh, months, achieved some ma- uh, mass adoption and wide uh, availability. Uh, but, but yeah, so let, let's get into what do we think right now is the sneaker of the moment and i think it comes as no surprise to anyone it's got to be the nike dunk so and and in my opinion i don't even think it's close right now i think it's by far and away the dunk uh if if i if i just look at specific colorways like the black and white just the basic black and white dunk low i feel like it's this generation's new air force one uh, I see more kids wearing that specific colorway, that specific shoe, than I do Air Force Ones. And Nike knows that. Nike has been restocking the hell out of that colorway. And pretty much every colorway that Nike has been putting out of the dunks, uh, whether it be lows or highs, whether it be SBs, they're all selling out. They all have, in most cases, over 200% resale value. But the but they're still very popular because even at 200% resale, we're talking like it's now $200, which is pretty much retail for, you know, most other sneakers, most Jordans, it's under, that's even below retail than most Yeezy sneakers. So even at $200, it's still, in my opinion, widely available to the average person. So, and, and of course, like going back to my previous point about wearability, it's a very, very wearable shoe. And it's a sneaker that has now gained popularity amongst the younger demographic. And I think that's what Nike's intention was with this, with this whole rollout. They have now introduced the dunk to a much younger audience. And that audience 
just loves loves the sneaker and um and 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 it's not only just them it's pretty much every age group i see everyone rocking dunks now and yeah it's it's all people want to talk about people can't get enough of the colorways i know we're maybe maybe en- ending maybe coming towards the end of the life cycle i still don't think we're near the end but approaching the end we're we're on the downhill right now and we're, we're no longer going up on that life cycle but but yeah i'm sure you have a little bit more to add there definitely i mean i think everything you said i mean it hits all three of your criteria right like that everybody wants them everybody is now able to get them and everybody can wear them and style them because i mean it's such a simple shoe right just like the air yeah. jordan one just like the air force one um so I think it goes without saying that, you know, the Nike Dunk has been the sneaker of the moment for a while now. It still is, even though I would say it's closer to the end than you say it is, but um, I, it's, it's definitely still there. Like it has a, still has quite a lot of momentum and it's still, you know, free rolling downhill uh, towards the finish line. But I think what I want to kind of mention here is that also it's funny because sneaker trends and sneakers of the moment it's all cyclical, just like all trends in fashion are, right? You know how like certain, I don't know, baggy jean jackets, denim jackets are in again. And that was like something your grandparents wore or whatever, right? It's the same with sneakers. The dunk had its golden era in the early 2000s. That was mostly SB dunks, right? But like it was, it was, a, it was a dunk golden era for sure. Then you had, I think it was like the early 90s, you had the dunks because they dropped in like what, 85? So it had multiple golden eras, just like uh, other sneakers like the Air Jordan 1 has had multiple golden eras. I would say that the Air Jordan 1 is probably the sneaker of the moment in like, I don't know, 2018, 2019, right? When those big off-white collaborations, Union LA collaborations were happening. Um, but then if you fast forward or, or rewind 10 years, like you, I'm sure you'll find like another golden era of the Air Jordan 1. So definitely history repeats itself when it comes to sneakers. And uh, what I want to highlight here as well is kind of, or what I want to dive deep into is the life cycle of the dunk. Because for me, and I don't know, uh, you, you tell me what you think of this, but for me, the the sneaker of the moment golden era f- for the dunk this time around began in like late 2019 with like the off-white Nike dunks um, and then carried on into 2020 with the pandemic and when like every second release was a Nike Dunk collaboration. Um, but what happened before that is equally important, right? Because I think there wouldn't have been a golden era without some very, very clever marketing from Nike and, uh, and, and retailers and its partners. Travis Scott was wearing vintage and OG Nike Dunks and SB Dunks. What was it? I think he, he started in like, late 2018, definitely, definitely by early to mid 2019. If you look at, if you scroll through his Instagram fit pics, literally he was wearing the Iron Maiden dunks. He's wearing the MF Doom dunks. He's wearing crazy grail level dunks. And people were like, hmm, like why is Nike's biggest collaborator right now? Apart from, I think at the time it was still Virgil Abloh, but it was very clear that Travis Scott was going to become the king of Nike collaborations. People were like, hmm, why is he wearing all these dunks? And it was obviously all fabricated by Nike. I'm not saying that Travis doesn't like dunks or doesn't look good in dunks or whatever, but it was definitely him and using his kind of appeal to younger crowds to push the dunk, get people talking about the dunk. And then 
what happened was they brought out some early collaborations. I remember when the Off-White Dunks first came out. I don't know if they were reselling for that much, right? I think they were reselling for what they cost, like 100. They were reselling for like maybe like 250, 300 the first few weeks. And then it shot up, right? And I think that was like the beginning of dunk, the dunk hype where you have a celebrity endorser really like fanning the flames a little bit. And then when there's enough fire, they start bringing out these little hyped collaborations. And then when they have this momentum and this consumer momentum of people actually interested in buying the product, the new product that is out there, the true to your school pack, the off-white dunks, the early collabs, then in 2020, in the first quarter, they just hit us all with so many collaborations and so many special projects and so many limited edition colorways that it just turned this momentum into this huge fireball that just kind of not spiraled out of control because I think it was very much in control. And, uh, and, and, and then, and we've talked about this before, they had all the collaborations, all good, doing really, really well in 2020. I would say like five or six of the best sneakers in 2020 were dunks. And then they just unleashed them to the public. Foot Locker, JD Sports, whatever, colorways on colorways on colorways, mass amounts of stock per colorway. And here we are now. And so I think the total life cycle is interesting because it's been a good two and a half, almost three years in the make. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. I mean, the dunk, I, I still don't think it's at the end, like you say, because just simply because of the fact that it's not like any colorway is sitting on shelves. They're all selling out. They all have huge resale, at least double what they're going for retail. So for me, that tells me it's still a sneaker that's not anywhere close to to being done. And there's still, at least from Nike side, seems to be a lot more collabs in the future. Usually when a sneaker is on its way out, you'll, you'll kind of stop seeing all of the high profile collabs coming out so much, but it doesn't seem like that is stopping anytime soon. So like we, like th- even this year, we still have yet to see, I guess, the social status dunks, which haven't even dropped yet. And that's another big collab. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm sure though, by next year, we'll, we'll see this die down. Uh, I, I think next year it's probably going to be that very tail end of this, uh, of this hype cycle. Uh, sure. another... I, think, I think, sorry, oh, go just, ahead, sorry. I, I, I think, yeah, like, I think we'll see collaborations through the rest of the year, which isn't even that long anymore. It's all, it's almost October. Right. Um, and I think there's always that over that that overlapping factor of like the sneaker of the moment is super hype but dying down, and then mm-hmm. the next one needs to be built up in that time, right? Because you don't go from one to the other with a direct cut. You need kind of like that that um, what do you call it? That that over overlap. My word here, overlap. Exactly. Yeah, it got exactly. you. <laughs> There's a, there's actually another, um, these aren't even really sneakers, but there's another uh, sneaker, let's call it, that I think is very much a sneaker of the moment right now. And that's just slides. And I, I, I don't just mean Yeezy slides. I mean, even Crocs. Um, I didn't realize how popular Crocs were until I just did this Toronto trip. And I cannot believe how many people are wearing Crocs. It's it's unreal to me, just absolutely unreal. It's not something I saw that often living in Berlin or even, you know, visiting other European cities, but it's crazy to me how popular it is in North America. And I really think, uh, and, and with the Yeezy slides, um, it's insane what these slides are going for in terms of resale value. To me, these things cost, from a manufacturing point of view, they probably cost less than five bucks to make. I mean, I mean it's Definitely. literally one piece of rubber. 
And uh, they're going for, you know, over $200 in resale. And I, I cannot believe people are paying that kind of money. And, and to me, I still, um, I, I think it's very much uh, symbolic of the times we're in. You know, we, we, we have spent most of the last couple of years indoors and people are really valuing comfort more than ever right now, which is, which is why I think the slides, the Crocs, and even like, you know, other sandals like Sui Cokes and, and I don't know if I, even, if I said that right, but Sui Cokes, um, Birkenstock, we've seen Birkenstock do collabs with Stussy. Um, it seems like all of these type of uh, footwear is definitely seeing, is definitely experiencing a moment right now. I think, I think they're kind of going hand in hand for me with the dunks as being like sneakers of the moment. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I, I've written about it a couple of times. StockX data shows that people are, like you said, right? They're going for insane amounts on the resale value, uh, on the resale market, which means that people really want them. Um, I would say that, yeah, I think also like multiple styles can exist as like a sneaker of the moment because slides are also different enough from normal sneakers and shoes, right? So they can exist, coexist a little bit. Um True. I think, yeah, I mean, it's, in my opinion, it's mostly born out of kind of the, the cozy kind of culture that's developed through lockdown and working from home, like you said. Um, and I mean, I'm all, I'm all for it, you know, like I grew up, uh, I grew up wearing just flip-flops all the time because it was, it was hot where I grew up and, and I hated it when my feet were sweaty and sneakers. Like if I could get away with it, I wore flip-flops to, to school, you know, and sometimes teachers would catch me, sometimes they wouldn't, but uh <sighs> Definitely, definitely on board with flip-flops and, and slides being a, a sneaker of the moment, if you will. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty hyped for those Salehi Crocs. Oh, yeah. Those look super nice, especially the green colorway, because those are just like straight up crocodiles. Uh, yeah. I, 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 put a, I put a poll on my Instagram asking people if they prefer the foam runners or the Salehis, and the foams won by a tiny margin, 52%. I, I would still take the foams over them just because I, what I hate about Crocs the most is that strap at the back. And unfortunately, these have that strap. I, I feel like without the strap, I, you know what? I'll, I'll buy a pair and I'll take the strap off because I think you can remove it. I was going to say, because oh, I can think, you? Okay. I mean, either you can cut the strap off, right? But I think it's also attached by these two, like, I don't know, knobs or whatever. And I'm pretty sure you can, like, pull those out or just remove it completely. And then it's a mule, you know, you can slip into it. Oh yeah, yeah, without the strap, I think they look f- phenomenal. Salehi's just killing it, man, as usual. He really is, yeah. Yeah, but let, let's get into okay. So we talked about the current sneaker of the moment. Let's talk about which sneakers are, have the best chance of being the next sneaker of the moment. And I know Fabian, I know you have a strong viewpoint on this one. So uh, give it to us. Which model do you think is gonna reclaim or take over that title? I would say it's more than a strong viewpoint. I think it's literally a stone hard. Uh, it's facts. Like it's facts, facts only. Um, no, I mean, I think this is just something from what I kind of uh, saw through my work, you know, writing for somebody, seeing what people are posting online and what kind of collaborations are coming out and kind of judging kind of consumer behavior, but also the, the movements of the market. And I think that, the Air Max one is going to be the next sneaker of the moment. And, you know, I would have loved to say, you know, that the next sneaker of the moment would be a non Nike sneaker, but Nike's just killing it right now with their marketing, their storytelling and, and, and and their go-to-market strategy. But what I think is interesting about the Air Max one is that 
the the Nike Dunk celebrated its 35th anniversary in 2020, right? Which is why it also got such a big push. Like it wasn't an accident that it came back in a big way. The Air Max One is celebrating its 35th anniversary in 2022. So I see a lot of similarities there. I see Travis Scott has an Air Max One collaboration coming out that he's been wearing for ages, ages. You know, you've got the clot reissue of the Kiss of Death Air Max One, which was an absolute grail back in the day, you know, and was quite successful upon release again this year, which, uh, and then you've got the Pata Air Max One Wave, which is absolutely beautiful because it's just a classic Air Max One. And then they changed the mudguard to look like a wave into colorways. Absolutely beautiful shoe. And so for me, those are, they're literally doing the same thing that they did with the Dunk. They've got people like Travis Scott wearing early pairs and getting the hype up in that way. They've got early collaborations with some big names, which would be Clot and Pata, which is the equivalent to the, uh, for example, the off-white Nike Dunks that came out in 2019, which was technically before the anniversary. And once 2022 hits, I believe that there's going to be a string of collaborations. There's going to be some special, you know, reissues of some OG colorways. There's going to be some uh, special new projects and new colorways that are coming to market that are going to be limited. Um, and it's all a supply and demand thing, right? Like if, as long as they can keep the supply less than demand, people are, are going to feel like they missed out on something special, right? Even if it's not special, they'll just have that FOMO feeling. And that itself can even just spiral into momentum for the shoe. So in my opinion, what's happening with the Air Max One now is like the early days, like 2019, 2018 of what was happening with the Dunk. And the similarities are one-to-one. So Honestly, it would surprise me if the Air Max One doesn't get a big push on its uh, 35th birthday next year. Um, but I, I know, I know you uh, have a different theory or a different shoe. So, like, let me know. Like, what do you think about the Air Max One? Like, could you see it? And then let me know what your thoughts are on on your shoe. No, no, no I, I completely agree with you uh, in terms of which one has the most uh, probability of gaining that title. Yes, I definitely think it's the Air Max One. For all the reasons you mentioned, Nike has a tried and tested method now of generating hype for sneakers, generating hype for older models. And like you said, they're, it's like history repeating itself right now with the Air Max Ones with Travis wearing it with Grail collabs being re-released. Uh, yeah, you already mentioned all of this, but yeah, it, it's, the, it's the exact same pattern. And clearly, it seems like next year we're going to be seeing a big push towards the Air Max One. Now... I can clearly see what Nike's intention is for what sneaker they want as being that next big thing. I just, I'm not a hundred percent sure the general public is going to respond to it necessarily in the way Nike wants, like they have with the dunks um, mainly because of uh, what I mentioned earlier with wearability. Uh, I, I don't think the Air Max one is a model that, everyone loves especially i'm not so sure if the younger the younger crowd especially really likes that model it is to me it's like a model that's it's it's like i guess kind of a chunky sneaker but it's not as chunky as a chunky sneaker it's kind of that in between it's almost like its own kind of um category and I'm not so sure it's a sneaker that is easy to wear. You can't really wear it with a lot of different outfits and different types of pants. And so for that wearability reason, I'm not so sure if it's going to, it's going to just hit it off in 2022, like it did in 1987. Um, so uh, yeah, I can see Nike's intention 
it'll be interesting to see if it's actually successful. But clearly, though, you can see where the resources are going from Nike's marketing and Nike's strategy. So definitely, it will, I think, be the one that is going to try to replace the dunk. I do think there's another sneaker that has a better chance, though, of, 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 uh, of gaining that title, if only they had the budget to really mass produce it. And that is the, uh, the New Balance 550. So okay. with, with, with the 550s, I definitely don't think we're just in the starting of the hype cycle. I think that we're already well into it. Uh, it started with the ALDs. And, and uh, I, think, I don't think we're at the peak yet either uh, because this is a sneaker that, to me, meets every single criteria. It's a sneaker that um, it's starting to get mass adopted because I'm seeing everyone wearing it. And when I say everyone, I mean all kinds of age groups wearing the sneaker. It's a sneaker that is, I've yet to see one person say, oh, I hate this model. I hate how it looks. I've yet to hear one person say that. It's a, it's a model that everyone seems to like. It's a model that goes with any kind of outfit. It's a extremely, it's about as wearable of a shoe as you can get. And I've yet to see a bad colorway. It's just, it's just a really good model. However, New Balance is not the conglomerate that Nike and Adidas is. Nike and Adidas have hundreds and hundreds of factories just making dunks 24-7 around the clock. New Balance doesn't have that kind of uh, production facilities. So I'm not so sure if the 550s are ever going to be produced massively wide enough to actually meet all the demand that's out there. Because right now, pretty much any colorway that's getting released of the 550 is selling out. And uh, it's clear to see why for all the reasons I mentioned. But if only I feel New Balance had that production capability, we would be seeing very much mass adoption of the sneaker. I think they would be also New Balance. They haven't really done too many hype collabs with this pair. I feel like they should probably do a bit more. But this is a sneaker that, yeah, I, I think it has a very good chance of, of if, if not already being the sneaker of the moment, of being the next uh, sneaker of the moment. That's that's a good point because I think that, you know, it, it does hit on all of those, like, you know, the ALD collabs kind of thrusted into the limelight then some really, really solid general release colorways that were a little limited, you know, hit it off with the public. You've got the size exclusive orange one, which did really well. Um, I would say that New Balance got really, really close with the 327. You know what I mean? Like yes. they had the collaborations they had some really solid general release colorways that were mm -hmm. semi-limited as well. Um, and then the 327 kind of just died out a little bit, you know, it which did, is a yeah. shame because it's, it's a beautiful shoe. I really, really like it. It's super comfy. Um, it, it will be interesting to see if the 550 can go a step further because I think you're right that it has slightly more potential as well just because it's more wearable than the 327. Mm -hmm. I think that's where the 327 kind of fell. Um, it was too 70s inspired to be an everyday shoe you know what i mean like it's mm -hmm. a great great shoe and you can style it and you can wear it really well but it's not something that a lot of normal mainstream sneakerheads or people that are into sneakers are going to wear um and 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 the 550s more in that kind of air force one mold where it's like a basketball 80s sneaker it's very simple basic kind of does works as advertised kind of shoe. Um, so that, that's, that's actually a really interesting point. Cause I think 
it definitely has a potential to. Do I think it will happen? No, because I don't think it'll get the push from New Balance mm-hmm. that it that it could or should get to achieve that status. But um, if if we had to go outside of Nike, that's probably yeah one of the the top models that I would pick as well. Yeah, I think with the, with the three two sevens, I think everyone who wanted a pair bought a pair, um, and then they just continued to make more and more colorways which there just wasn't an audience for it anymore for the reasons you mentioned it was like very 70s looking with with the 550s um every colorway as of right now is selling out and uh i still think not everyone who wants a pair has a pair yet so there's still a lot of room to go but yeah i i I don't i don't see new balance you know competing with nike in this sense so the air max one for me definitely has a much higher chance of, of of gaining that title but yeah, I mean, that's about it. So uh, in terms of like our big topic for, for the day, of course, we're going to get into right now our upcoming sneakers for the next two weeks. Let us know, actually, before we even get into that, let us know uh, whether it be on Instagram or or just, yeah, you can hit, hit up each of us individually on Instagram. Let us know which one do you think is the best uh which sneaker you think has the best chance of achieving that sneaker of the moment. I know for sure, a lot of resellers probably listening to this podcast, taking notes, <laughs> uh, but, but yeah. Um, yeah. Let us know guys, let us know which one do you think, what do you see? A lot of you guys do sneaker reselling for a living actually, and uh, are very much in tune with which models are selling, which models have a very high chance of, you know, gaining a lot of resale value over the next couple of uh, years or months. And uh, I'm sure you guys have some, uh, feedback as well for which one you think is is probably going to be the next super popular shoe so let us know definitely hit us up on instagram uh, as far as upcoming sneakers for the next couple of weeks uh, i'll start it off um, interesting interesting collab here the billy eilish and jordan collab on the uh, jordan 15s so a couple of things weird to me um i mean billy eilish i never thought billy eilish would see a jordan collab um, she, uh, I don't know. It just seems like she's not the type of celebrity that I would normally see on a Jordan model. Um, but um, apparently, she she had a phone. I was reading about it. The Jordan 15, the black pair with the little red hits. That was like her favorite shoe ever growing up, and like her grail basically. So she has. She was one of those few people who loved the Jordan 15s. So she really wanted to do a collab on the 15s. And it's not going to lie, it's a very clean collab. It's like a, a cream colored shoe, or is it cream or green? I can't really tell, but... It's like uh, gray, gray cream, something like that. Gray cream, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it seems like a lot of people actually like this shoe from just uh, polls I've seen on Instagram, um, which is rare for Jordan 15. So I, I could actually see this one selling out. And there's also a second pair of Billie Eilish uh, Jordans. This is the Jordan 1 KO. It seems like it's in a complete all-over lime green colorway. Uh, not the most wearable shoe, and I'm not so sure if this one is actually going to you know, command huge amounts of resale money. However... One thing's for sure, though, and people really underestimate how ridiculously popular Billie Eilish is. Like, she's probably in the top three, maybe biggest celebrities in the world right now. So, I don't, she could have put out like a Jordan Trunner, and I think it would have, you know, got a lot of resale value. So, um, yeah, uh, these two, uh, I have these two on upcoming. Um, and just one more I want to talk about is uh, actually two more 
the Yeezy 700 V2 in the mauve colorway. A, uh, this is definitely like, it looks like those good old days of us getting those very earth tones type of uh, Yeezy 700s. Like we saw, there was like, I think it was like the Tefra back in the day. 700 V2 is just one of my favorite Yeezy models. I, I, I think it's a great pair. And this mauve pair, yeah, if, if you love earth tone Yeezys, one thing I will say I noticed about this pair is the retail is 250 not 240 that's, that's high it used to be 240 right like uh so far this year all of the 700s have been 240 retail on this pair is looking like it's going to be 10 dollars more i don't know what the reason for that is um but yeah expect that on september 25th and uh the last pair i want to talk about the jordan 4 in the red thunder colorway uh it looks like I know everyone loves black and red on a Jordan. Uh, this is also black and red. However, I'm not so sure it's the right combination of black and red. There's almost way too much black on the sneaker for me. So definitely a bit of a pass for me. It looks like it's a mainly new book upper here on the Red Thunder. But look for that to release on October the 1st. Nice. That's a, that's a solid list. I have a couple more to add. Um, so I've got the... Adidas Ultra 4D Miami colorway because uh, I remember when the Ultra Boost dropped, um, that was very, very popular. That was like the university pack. And so this one is just with a 4D sole. So it's got like a kind of like a whitish green sole with uh, an orange and green upper in the, you know, Ultra Boost kind of knit, um, knit pattern. Super nice. That one drops in four days. So uh, on the 25th of September. Then Reebok and Beams, a Japanese brand, have uh, collaborated on the Club C Laceless Mule, which drops, I think, on the 1st of October, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And that's basically just the classic Club C without a heel and ankle support. So you just slip into it. It's laceless as well. So it's basically like a pair of slides, but you're wearing the Club C, which is pretty cool. Um, and, you know, Mule's having a huge, huge moment. Um, and then I have the um, Nike Air Trainer 3. And I'm hoping I'm pronouncing his name right. Uh, Saquon Barkley. He's the running back for the uh, New York Giants. And he is getting his own colorway of the Nike Air Trainer 3, which was, you know, worn by um, Bo Jackson uh, back in the day. And uh, this colorway is super nice. I'm not generally a fan of the Air Trainer 3, but there's some really cool details on here. Some like nice hits of pink and, and yellow on top of more of a muted upper. So uh, if you're feeling kind of a, uh, I don't know, more underrated, unexpected pair, then check this one out for sure. And also Travis has an Air Trainer 3 uh, coming up. So <laughs> um, that'll be, a, or actually no, he has a, I think an Air Trainer 1 mid, but anyway, it's, it's similar. Um, and then the last one that I have is the Gundam SB Nike Dunk Highs in the white colorway. Those drop October 12th. And um, I know a lot of people were pretty hyped for them before the Olympics when they were announced. Um, it seems like they are coming with a little bit of a delay, but um, definitely worth the wait if you are a, you know, a Gundam um, fan slash Nike Dunk or SB Dunk fan. Uh, yeah. So you can get your hands on those October 12th. Yeah, those Gundam pairs are pretty pretty fire. I forgot to mention earlier the release date of the Billie Eilish pairs. Uh, both of those pairs I mentioned, the Jordan 1 KO and the Jordan 15, uh, will be releasing on September 29th. 
But yeah, guys, that's about it. Thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for listening to the entire episode. Shout out to everyone. Shout out to everyone who listened to us and listened to every episode and downloaded, share with your friends. Appreciate it. Uh, definitely, of course, as usual, next episode will be in another couple of weeks' time. And yeah, thank you once again. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. See you guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs>